Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Did you know that stress is just a facade for something else? When you know what it really is and have these five foolproof solutions, you'll be able to take your life back and conquer stress once and for all. Welcome to the Heal the Hurt podcast. Remember when we were kids and we believed that anything was possible? We were going to be the first man or woman to do something really great. But then something happened. Something got in the way of living the life of greatness we know we were meant for. Well, it's now your turn to become the greatest version of yourself. And to achieve that, we will heal the hurt. Stress is one of the most common reasons people struggle with health conditions, their work, their family dynamics, their relationships. It's one of the biggest reasons people seek help from someone like myself is they're so stressed out. Well, a big reason for that is the lack of correct information around what stress is. And so I want to clear that up. I want to give you the correct tools and information so you can actually conquer stress because The information that's out there won't give you a solution. It's going to keep you stuck in it. So the reason stress is a facade is the definition is wrong. See, the definition of stress, if you look at it clinically, what it entails is the activation of the fight, flight, or freeze response in our brain. Okay? So whenever you feel stressed, you're in white, hot fear. Now, one of the reasons we don't call stress fear is nobody likes to admit they're afraid. We have this, unfortunately, it just breaks my heart. We have this, you know, feeling and and fear of people knowing like, yeah, I get afraid sometimes. And so we manufacture definitions that are easier for us to absorb. Well, that robs us of a solution. See, in general, if you think about it, when you tell people you're stressed out, what does that generally communicate? Well, it kind of sends the message that you probably work more than anybody else. You're you're a very hard worker, that you probably really excel in your relationship. Like, say you're a man and you take your wife out five nights a week on these romantic dates. Like, you're really stressed because you're working that relationship so hard. If you're a mom, maybe you, you know, volunteer 40 hours a week at your kid's school because you're trying so hard to be a perfect mom. And oh, by the way, we work out with our personal trainer 30 hours a week as well. So it basically, you know, sends this false empowered message. If I'm stressed, I'm better than you. It's because I accomplished so much. Now, I don't want to diminish how much, you know, how hard everybody works and, and how much, how dedicated people are to getting better. But when we create these false definitions and false words, it's massive denial. Well, 
When we're in denial, we're not in truth. How can we solve a problem if we're not even talking about the right problem? So unfortunately, most people turn to depressive medications, anxiety medications, all of these medicines that don't address the real topic. They treat symptoms, all right? They might calm the chemical reactions that create the fight or flight response, but you're not healing the actual cause of it. The actual cause is massive fear and an inability to regulate that fear response. That's a feeling problem. That's not a pill or medical problem. That just takes some skills in being able to navigate our feelings. Okay. So now the next thing that keeps us stuck in our stress is we have another false definition and that's around fear. I've never heard anybody break down fear. I mean, generally what's, what's the, the standard response to fear? I call it the Nike philosophy, just do it, right? Or false evidence appearing real. Well, do those help us? I mean, if we could just do it, why aren't we? Like fear is bigger than just do it. I mean, there's truth to that. We have to take action, but what kind of action do we take? Like that's too vague. There's not enough detail as to what do I really do? <clears throat> well, I discovered there's really three elements to fear. And I've never heard anyone break it down the way I have. Fear is always one of these three things. You either fear rejection, inadequacy. In other words, you don't think you have the skills, tools, or knowledge to do something, or you fear powerlessness. Okay. So whenever we are so-called stressed, we are in one or all three of those fears. That's what's happening to us. And so I, at the end here, I'm going to give you solutions to overcome all of those, but we're, we're going to go through each one individually. So let's take a situation. All right. So we can understand how we're, how the stress of the situation has us in fear. Look at COVID. Perfect example. What are we all feeling? Massive inadequacy. We don't have the skills, tools, or knowledge. I mean, the medical profession is all over the place. Originally they forecasted these massive deaths. Well, they're coming to find out it's really just the flu. That's about all it is. The death rates are at or below seasonal flu. Now, did we know that in the beginning? No, we were inadequate. We didn't have the skills, tools, or knowledge because it's a newer strain of COVID. There's, there's people, I don't know if people know this, but there are tons of strains of COVID. This was just a newer version that transmitted differently. And so that created a massive fear what most people would call stress of inadequacy. All right. We don't have the skills, tools, and knowledge. So we did the best we could. The medical profession was like, look, we think this is the best way to respond. Well, now we've had a couple months of testing the data, the way science works. We, we let the data come in. We observe the data and based on the data um, and the new skills, tools, and information we have, it's basically the flu. Okay. There's not this massive fork, you know, the, the massive forecasts of death aren't happening. And that's whether you were sequestered or not like Sweden, they didn't, they really didn't sequester other countries did. So there's really no difference in death rates and things like that, but they did the best they could with the information they had at the time. This isn't a blame thing, but everyone felt a massive sense of inadequacy. We, the public, what's going to happen? We don't, we don't know anything about this. Well, that creates fear. Number two, powerlessness. I have no control. What am I going to do? 
Like, how do I navigate this? And then I'm losing my job. I can't see my loved ones. I can't spend time. I've had people reach out to me who are in custody battles. And so with the separation, they couldn't go see their child. Well, that's massive powerlessness. Just calling that stress, there's no solution. Well, I'm stressed out. What do I do? Go take pills? No, that's not the solution. It's not addressing the problem. Okay, and so now, especially with inadequacy, if we don't feel we have the skills, tools, or knowledge to do something, how does that make us feel? Kind of stupid. Like all of us, when we don't know something, there's a general hit to our self-esteem. Okay, and so we don't want other people to know that we don't quite have all the information. And so we fear if, if they find out we don't know this, will be rejected. And so this is part of like, now you're having this big fight of some people are saying, we need to get back out into the world. Other people are saying, oh my God, if we do, everyone's gonna die. We need to stay in. Well, now, even though the science is saying we're basically okay, now to admit that this the new information is right, what would people have to address? That maybe I was wrong. There's a fear of inadequacy and then you might reject me because I made the best you know, I, I decided to stay in and do all these things to protect myself. Well, now we find out the information's different. Well, we don't want to admit that, okay, we assess this incorrectly. And so people get into denial and they, they fear that rejection. They fear the inadequacy. And then the powerlessness of it all adds to massive stress. So that's that's a basic microcosm of how all of this stress works. And so whichever situation you're in, it's it's always one of the, these three fears that you're experiencing. So let's go through each one individually and talk about solutions, about how we can start overcoming that fear. All right. Well, the first one is the fear of rejection. Okay. Now, the fear of rejection is all about a lack of self-esteem because nobody ever rejects us, ever. All they're ever doing is walking in their own best interests, but we're all lacking in self-esteem. And so we look for what's called other esteem. So if I'm fearing rejection, what that means is I need your validation to say that I'm okay. All right, well, that's called outside or other esteem because we lack it in ourselves. All right, so whenever we're fearing rejection or experience the rejecting feeling, what we're really doing is rejecting ourselves. We're rejecting our own power of, wait a minute, I'm good looking, I'm nice, I'm smart, whatever the thing is, they just decided they wanted something different. That's all. Well, I have no power over that. I'm powerless. See, the other fear, I'm not inadequate. I mean, well, I guess I have the... The, I'm, I am inadequate in that I don't have the skills, tools, and knowledge to change my looks, to change my career, whatever it may be, to be what what is in their best interest because they, now they've shifted. They want something different in their life. Well, there's a sense of inadequacy, all right? <clears throat> Some of those things we can't control, so the inadequacy and powerlessness would be tied together. But ultimately in rejection, when we fear that, we've given our power away. We've said my worth and who I am as a person is determined by your view of me. Well, the solution to that 
is to work on our self-esteem and, and really go back and heal the original wounding. We've all been wounded in childhood. Our parents are perfectly imperfect. They rejected us and abandoned us. Um, sometimes by necessity, if you've been through, if your parents were divorced, you suffered abandonment. One of your parents wasn't there all the time, or maybe the mother or father left completely. Well, that's a massive rejection. And so we have to go back and heal that. If, if you've grown up in a divorced household and you haven't done professional work with somebody on that rejection piece, that'll show up the rest of your life. That's a massive abandonment. Now, I know for most people, like, oh, it doesn't bug me. No, I got over it a long time ago. Well, if you ever sense rejection, then you know you're not over it. Then you know it's still playing a massive part in your life, okay? And, and we just minimize these things as a society. We, we really don't want to talk about them. But that's the solution is go become an expert in building your self-esteem. Now, we all know there are affirmations. Things like that are incredibly helpful. The science is overwhelming. But there's a key to affirmations, another subtlety. When we do them, it's not just thinking them or saying them. We have to feel them. A true affirmation is a feeling. It's not a thought. All right. That's why most positive thinking never works. All right, and you know this to be true. Think about it. You've, um, if you were an athlete, whether growing up or whatever, you or you took a test. We all know that experience of preparing ourselves. We studied or practiced all week long, and we're walking into the test or we're driving to the sporting event we're about to play in, and we just feel it. We know we're going to kill it. We're going to ace it, or we're going to play great. Like you can't stop us. And what happens? You play great. Now, we've had the other experience where we've done the same amount of practice. We've done the same amount of studying. We're walking into that test. We're driving to that event. And we're like, oh, no. Oh, I need to get sick. I need to get hurt. This isn't going to go well. We can feel this is trouble, right? And then you try and think positive. You're like, come on, you can do this. Let's go, be a grinder, right? Like all the positive self-talk, the Nike, you know, all the stuff we've been taught, the positive affirmations, and yet you bomb it. Well, there's your proof. It's not a thinking problem. It's a feeling problem. Self-esteem and having a positive view of yourself is all about feelings. Belief isn't thinking that you believe in yourself. It's feeling it. That's what, you know, I get, I read countless books on belief, how to believe in yourself. And they told all these wonderful stories of people who just like their life was terrible. One day they miraculously woke up and believed in themselves, but they never described why it was, it was as though the hand of God reached down and touched them and whoa, they believed in themselves. Well, if you look at every single story, there was one seminal shift and not a single author ever brought it up. They had a feeling shift. That's all belief is. It's, and I just proved it with, you know, the example of athletics and, you know, testing or, or taking, you know, tests in school or for some profession. When we believe in ourselves, it's when our thoughts and our feelings line up. They're in the same place. When we lack belief, when we lack self-esteem, our thoughts and our feelings are separate. They're at different places. The solution is to bring our feelings up. All right. So when it comes to the fear of rejection, it's all, it's a feeling problem. You need to become an expert in what you feel. So here's a quick tip. Go online, 
type in feelings list on Google, right? Thousands will come up. Pick one up or pick one that looks good to you, has a good mix of both positive and negative feelings and keep that with you for the next 30 days and start registering what you're feeling. <clears throat> Almost 70% of the population isn't even aware of what they feel. They don't feel. They're so detached because of the trauma we've all been through in childhood, they can't feel. Well, if you want to solve your fear of rejection, you need to start feeling and being aware of how your feelings are getting in the way and creating the fight or flight response, okay? So that's the first tip for you is go become an expert in those feelings. Start tracking them and then you'll see when you have certain feelings, you have certain thoughts, you take certain negative, stressful, um, self-victimizing, really, behaviors. You sabotage your life because of that. So once you're aware of those feelings, now you can start addressing them through affirmations and, and I don't have time to get into all the other possibilities of what you can do to rework those feelings. For some of you, most of you, it's deep trauma work. You have to go rework all the difficult things you went through in childhood. That's primarily the, the main solution um, is we have to work with a professional to help us overcome those feelings and rework them subconsciously and consciously so our brain no, no longer gets triggered by them, okay? All right, now let's move on to the fear of inadequacy. <clears throat> the fear of inadequacy is all about not having the skills, tools, or knowledge to do something. Well, look at what we just described in rejection. Most people, 70% of the population doesn't know how to feel. They don't have the skills, tools, or knowledge to do something. So they get onslaughted with stress, fear, overwhelmed by it. The feelings of it are overwhelming. They don't have the skills, tools, and knowledge to affirm themselves. They perceive rejection. They perceive they're somehow not good enough. That it's, <clears throat> I'm inadequate in that I don't know how to navigate this. All right, well, look at your life. Look at how many things that you had to start without knowing. I mean, look, our whole life is we were born not knowing how to speak or anything. All we've done all our life is learn how to become adequate. What's your job? Did you go to school for it? Did you take special courses for it? What about your hobbies? You know, did you, are you into judo? Well, the first day of class, you didn't even know how to stand. You were massively inadequate. What did you do? You learned the skills, tools, and knowledge to become adequate. It's not a representation of something's broken or defective in you, but if you're struggling with low self-esteem and fear of rejection, that's how you'll feel. Like that was a huge issue for me. I always hated doing anything new. Well, once I did all the work and I realized what feelings were tied with me doing something new, that inadequacy that came up, I realized it all traced back to my father. I would go ask him for help. My dad was an engineer. And when I was young, I was really good at math. But as it got into more theory, because of my fight or flight response constantly clicking on, my brain, you can't see when your fight or flight response triggers, the blood flow stops to the front of your brain. You can't think. So I couldn't come up with solutions. And so when I talked to my dad about some of this stuff, I would have a massive fear reaction. And my dad would get frustrated and his mannerisms and his tone he never said I was stupid, but the way he got so frustrated and everything sent the nonverbal message that I was stupid. All right, that's always been my greatest inadequacy is the sense of feeling stupid. Well, what's that create? 
low self-esteem. So once I learned that it wasn't so much that I didn't like certain things, like that's what I do is I go, oh, I don't like that. That's boring. I don't want to learn about that. I have no interest in that. Well, I realized that was a defense mechanism. The reason I was saying I don't want to learn about it is because I didn't want to feel stupid. Well, once I was able to connect the feeling and where it originated and do the healing work around my dad's perfect imperfections, my dad adored me. He just, no one taught him that when you act this way as a parent, you send these messages. All parents do this, okay? It doesn't make him bad, but we don't teach this stuff. He did the best he could, but I hold him accountable. He chose not to go learn about this stuff. Well, I'm not going to let him off the hook for that. You know, that wouldn't be loving. We wouldn't be in truth, but it doesn't mean I have to hate him for it or, or create some sort of denigration. It's just fact. It's just like, I'm wearing this blue shirt. It's not good or bad. It just is. Okay. <clears throat> so once I was able to gain the skills, tools, and knowledge of what was creating <clears throat> my inadequacy and, and what was triggering my rejection, I was able to do new things and actually enjoy it, get excited by the process of learning and discovering things. Okay. So whenever you're struggling with the fear of inadequacy, what you're struggling with <clears throat> is not having the skills, tools, and knowledge. So go become an expert. It's like on one of my videos, a woman posted yesterday, she's a nurse, and with all this COVID stuff, they're changing policies and procedures every minute. And, and she was objecting. You know, she wanted to fight like, I'm stressed. She wanted to stay in that victim position. And I, and, and I lovingly showed her, well, do you see that you fear of an inadequacy? When they change the skills or when they change the policies and procedures, everything's new. You have to learn something new. And you're saying it happens daily. Well, that tells me you are feeling fear around not having the skills, tools, and knowledge to adapt to the change. And then when I brought it up, she felt attacked. Well, she took that because of low self-esteem. She felt I was rejecting her. I was empathizing with her. I was giving her solutions, but because of almost always childhood wounding, she perceived it as me denigrating her. Well, it was the furthest thing from the truth. But see, just like me, she got sent the message that if she doesn't have the information, she's bad. She's rejectable. Well, that's not true. She's not rejectable. I was totally loving this woman, but those messages from childhood are so powerful. It immediately jumped up. She got angry and defensive and protected. Don't reject me. You know, that's, that's what she's saying. Like, hear my pain. Well, I was listening to her pain, but she couldn't hear my empathy because of the overwhelming um, rejecting messages she got in childhood. It, it's obvious that if she ever didn't have the skills, tools, and information, she paid a heavy price, just like I did. Well, that's heartbreaking. I mean, that's just... That's so sad. Well, we've all been through that. That's not a reflection of her being stupid. It's, it's a, a reflection of how much pain she's still stuck in and needs help and support with. So, but that's what happens, all right? So I'll get to anger here in a minute of what's happening in anger. All right, so the solution to inadequacy is go become an expert. Let's move on to powerlessness. This is the most prevalent and the most difficult. <clears throat> Powerlessness comes from two things. 
The first one is the inability to say no. We set up our own powerlessness by saying yes to things we want to say no to. And think of it, childhood was all about saying yes to things we wanted to say no to. Our parents, we couldn't argue. We had, if we didn't want to do something, whether you know, even those things that were good for us, um, if we couldn't say no, we, we all got trained not to say no. So most people feel incredibly guilty if they say no. What they don't realize is it's a subconscious process of, if I say no, they could be 50 years old. If I say no to this person, I'm actually saying no to my parents. And so a tremendous guilt comes up of, I'm a bad kid. People don't realize that. That's what's happening. That's why they can't say no. And so they become people pleasers and they do what's called giving yourself away. And so they're constantly caught in this, this loop of they're exhausted, they're overextended, they're filled with anger and resentment because they're saying yes to all these things, they're doing all this stuff for other people. And here's the key. I'll give you the quick solution on this. If you have ever, ever, ever said to somebody, thought this, or communicate it to a friend, I've done A, B, C, and D for them or for you, and they never did this or you never did this for me. That says that you gave yourself away, that you didn't want to do A, B, C, or D, but you were doing them as a manipulation to get this. Now, I know that's hard to hear. You're like, I wasn't manipulating. Well, yes, that's what it is because you, were, you weren't giving it freely because you expected something in return. And so you said yes to th something because this is how we all get taught in childhood. You said yes to something you wanted to say no to, all right? If you hadn't, you wouldn't be throwing it in their face. And that's the key. This is how you learn to say no. Before you ever say yes, you think through, one, am I ever gonna resent this person if I do it? Two, am I ever gonna throw it in their face and bring it up again? If you think either of those will happen, you must say no. You must, because otherwise you're manipulating them, you're giving yourself away, you're self-victimizing yourself, and eventually you're going to take that out on them, project it and say, I did this for you, and you didn't even appreciate it. What you're really saying is, I did this to me. I didn't really appreciate me, and in the process, I hurt me, and now I'm blaming you for it. That's what's truthfully happening. It's how denial and projection works. I don't have time to get into that, okay? So what I advise everyone to do is, for the, if you struggle with saying no for the next week, any request, even something you love, start off with, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. In other words, buy yourself time. Say basically, yeah, most people can't even start to say no, and that's why I say, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. Because that's not a no, it's not a yes, it's a maybe. And if this is a spouse or a partner, somebody, they're like, oh, well, they always say yes. Like, they won't challenge you. They'll be like, it gives you space. Now, you go off and think about it. You wrestle with those two. And what you're looking for is, does the, if I say yes to this, does it go against my morals and values, my needs and wants, and what I find to be negotiable and non-negotiable. If it goes against any one of those, then you need to say no. And so then you come back and you say, you know, I've thought about it and it just doesn't work for me. Why? Why doesn't it work for you? Because it just doesn't work for me. Well, that doesn't make sense. How does it not work for you? It just doesn't work for me. Well, aren't you going to tell me how? It just doesn't work for me. That's how you respond. You don't bite on the argument. You don't need to. You don't have to justify yourself. You've made the choice, it just doesn't work for you. That's 
how you can start saying no. As you get better, you'll just say, no, no, I'd rather not do that. You'll be able to, but that gives you a buffer. All right. <clears throat> now, when it comes to the powerlessness, like this COVID situation, we don't know what we, you know, we can and can't control. So this is make two lists. All right. What can I control? Well, let me start the other way. What can't I control? Well, we can't control the government. <clears throat> we can't control that the medical community is really learning about this on the fly. So we have no clue what's right or wrong. We're just trying to figure it out. I have no control that my company has been forced to shut down and I've lost my job. There's, I have absolutely no control over that. So spending any time thinking about that or processing it is a choice to victimize yourself, stay in fear, stress, okay? And so you make a list of all those things <clears throat> and you stop focusing on them. There's nothing you can do about it. You make a second list. What can I control? And you start acting. I can, well, I've lost my job, but what can I control? I can spend this time thinking about or creating a whole new control that puts me in power. Is there a whole new career? Is there something I've always wanted to do? Well, now might be the perfect opportunity to start it. How do I spend my day? What do I, what do I choose to think and focus on? Should I choose to focus on affirmations and getting adequacy, learning the skills, tools, and knowledge to grow emotionally? Or I can focus on being powerless and setting myself up to fail. Like these are all, these are the choices. That's how you overcome it, okay? Say no, make a list of what you can and can't control. Now I wanna, I said I'd touch on anger. <clears throat> Here's what to recognize with anger. Anger is always a mask for fear. If you're ever angry or someone's angry at you, what they are, ignore their words or take their words and listen to them in this way. I don't care what the argument is about. I don't care what they're saying, but literally what they're screaming at you is, please, please don't find out how inadequate and powerless I feel right now. And by God, don't you dare reject me. So when you're listening to someone yelling and screaming at you or someone angry, listen for words that communicate inadequacy, powerlessness, and fear of rejection. Well, when you listen for that, you'll have empathy. You won't defend yourself because your defense is what? Well, they better believe me because if they don't, I'm powerless unless they take my side. That, and then I'm inadequate because they don't believe me and therefore I'm rejected. That's how you end arguments. That's how you deal with a fight. Don't bite on it. All right, real quick, these two books, this is the consequence of not saying no and how it destroys your health. You have to get this book by Gabor Mate. It's called When the Body Says No, Exploring the Stress-Disease Connection. This, the inability to say no is one of the single greatest killers on the planet. This is the best book for self-esteem out there. Um, Louise Hayes, You Can Heal Your Life. And the third book you need to get is my book, Your Journey to Success. This gets handles all three of the fears. It explains the fear of rejection, the fear of inadequacy, the fear of powerlessness. There's a whole chapter devoted on how to say no. This is the complete breakdown on how to overcome stress, which is fear, in a way nobody else has explained. If you don't have these skills and tools, you will suffer with fear the rest of your life. This is your way out. If you're done struggling and being controlled by fear and stress, that's the way to turn your life around. 
So the question becomes, are you ready to choose yourself? It's my belief that for all of us, it is your turn to be great. Choose it.